Welcome to a special edition of the Midlife Pilot Podcast. This is Brian. Chris is running around doing vacation things or work things or, you know, something else. Never fear. We have another guest supplied podcast episode. Guest episode, guest episode. Super happy about this. Basically, we have this Midlife Pilot community that has been just amazing. And We've got a few tech nerds. We've got some nerds in here. Imagine that, pilot nerds. But here's the thing. They get into this conversation that I just thought was completely worth publishing here. And I thought all of our listeners would really appreciate. It's all in and around privacy and aviation. I'm going to let the, let the nerds own this. But we've got Timestamp Tether, One Dull Geek, and Alyssa, all of which have YouTube channels and you should check out. But listen, this is a fantastic, informative, great conversation about privacy and how it relates to technology and aviation. So enjoy this, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. We've been talking about privacy and about aviation. So first, Mark. What are the colors you're wearing and what's your name? My name is Mark. I have the YouTube channel One Dull Geek and I fly airplanes. And these colors are, of course, the greatest football team in the world. I'm sure Alyssa would agree with this. And the Green Bay Packers. I think you'll get me to agree with that. I have a few pictures of flights over Lambeau Field. From recently even. Yeah. So we're actually in three time zones now, but you two have the heart of the Midwest there. And, and that's where Alyssa is. So Alyssa, you're a, when did you buy your plane? When did, I'm sorry. When did I buy my, when did you buy your plane? Yeah. I bought my plane August of last year. So August 2022. And I'm about a year, I'm about a year earlier than that. I bought it in September of 2021. And so we're all new pilots, two plane owners, one not, and it's, it's interesting. One, hopefully one soon in. to be though, right? Possibly. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, which is why all this comes in and we have some chances to do this a little differently. But Alyssa, you do this with your work hat on with your, not that hat, but your work hat. Yes, this on. is not the work hat, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so, I work in cybersecurity. And so, yeah, security and privacy is a big thing for me. In fact, um, when I started my aviation journey, right? And I bought the airplane. Well, I started my aviation journey. Every time I posted a picture, it was always redact out the tail numbers, right? Because obviously then people figure out what airport I'm flying out of and everything else. And and then after a while, I just got done with it. I was just like <laughs> sick of it. Like I'm tired of redacting pictures of those planes of my own plane. And I remember the first time I posted a picture that had my tail number visible and like, People started sending me DMs. They're like, Alyssa, you posted your tail number. What are you doing? People can find your information with them. Yeah, I know. Let me zoom in on your background there. Yeah. 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 You get it? I'll tell you what. Exactly. See it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I thought long and hard for a little bit. I guess not long, but for a little bit, I thought hard about whether or not I was going to do anything to keep my tail number out of uh, my videos. The amount of effort to do that is insane. It is completely insane. Visually and, and audibly. Yes. Yes. It's Visually is pretty easy. I don't have an I don't have an external I don't have an external camera, but radio calls are hard to censor, right? They're hard to yeah. keep out of the videos. So if privacy were really something like I was like going hardcore on, I wouldn't be doing YouTube. Yes. Yeah. YouTube is our biggest vector because it's like we're showing our faces, 
not necessarily names, but it's also not hard to get from that, from yeah. those two. But yeah, and unfortunately, it's not hard given my tail number. So yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've got a couple different kind of themes to talk about here, and the first one is what applies to everyone, which is pilot privacy. Because the others, you say, great, I'm just renting a plane. It shows ABC school for this the school that I'm in, which, by the way, I hate even when I rent. Like, I know I'm flying the plane, or I know that if I get in trouble, somebody's going to call the school. Like, so it's still a problem, right? Like, even if you don't own a plane. But I don't think a lot of people realize that your pilot records are really easy to get yeah. online. So home addresses. Mark, did you do some, you did some research on that? I did do some research. Okay. So if you go to FAA.gov and you click on airman certification and search airman certificate information, you can find out lots of things about people. Let's see. Maybe we'll put Josh Flowers in and see how many come up. That's fair. Uh, I don't know which one he is. Who's that first one? Don't ask me how I know this. Yeah, Stalker. This person lives in Greensboro, North Carolina, and is a mechanic. I could have sworn it was Josh C. Flowers. I don't know why. I don't know what, why that's sticking in my head, but. Yeah. Well, now now I want to know. Yeah. No, it's, which one is it? Who's in, where's the one but, in Texas? Well, that guy's in Georgia. If it's Joshua. Yeah, this has got to be it, right? Well, there were two. There's been two in Texas out of that, but that yeah. looks the most likely because you've got commercial instrument, airplane. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're, we're a corrective lens. This will, we've seen aviation 101. He wears glasses, but this is a great example, right? That's the level of information that's there by being a pilot. We have information out there, right? There's when not YouTube. We just sat there yeah. and did that. Like we knew we were looking for Josh flowers in Texas and we knew obviously from his videos that he's got significant ratings and his, you know, CFI and all that stuff. So yeah, it was all like, yeah. and that's exactly what you can do with that information. No. And three of the five of those were addresses. Actual addresses. And yeah. So that's, that to me is the, you know, it's like your privacy, your name, maybe not, but having your home address in there. What's interesting to me is how many of them don't opt out. Yeah. Because are you, did you? I did. But I was Mark, with my acro. That was like the very first thing. My CFI said, what? he said, you're not, you're going to want to make sure you don't check that box. That's the next thing I sort of want to show is how to opt out. If I click on this registry, you can just come in here and click on change mailing address releasability and do not allow mailing address to be released to the public, opt out and save it. And then when you look yourself up on the internet, it will be hidden. It will say you've opted out. It's pretty easy. Know, does that opt you out of the download as well? I would assume it would. Yes. It, what it does is it completely takes you out of the download. So if I take myself and look in the download, I'm not in there at all. As far as the download is concerned, I don't exist. So yeah, to so find me, you have shock why people would not opt for this. Why would yeah. you not opt out? But they don't. Yeah. I, my guess is that most people don't know that it's so e that it's incredibly easy to opt out. You just register for the Airman Services database. And do you think say, it's hey, that, or do, do you think it's not knowing you can opt out, or not knowing how visible the information is? You know, it could I, be both. Could be both. Maybe they like being put on Sporty's mailing list. So. I'm on Sporty's mailing list because I bought something from Sporty's. Right. Same. Yeah, well, that's pretty easy to redact, at least. Yeah, that's that's very easy. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. I think that's important, right? I, that 
out of all the things we're going to talk about tonight, I think that is the easiest one. And it's the one with broadest reach too, because of course, everybody that's going to be watching this at minimum is in that pilot system somewhere. And we all need to catch the the new pilots and tell them that because when you're signing up for your student, like do this now. It is a question when you sign up for IACRA. It is one of the questions when you first do that. And so that that's the part why I get surprised that people, that so many don't opt out. Like you read that, you would think, of course, opt out. Why would I want you sending my stuff anywhere? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's, we need to just chase down new students and we need, we also need to chase down our friends who may not realize that their home addresses are easily accessible. I'm thinking of a few people that I've looked up when we first started doing this and it was like, oh, let me look up everybody I know and all my pilots. Okay. So yeah, but next that one. said, that said, you can easily, if you really, if you know my tail number, you can find my home address because as easy as that was to opt out, getting my home address off of my tail off of my airplane registration is a little bit more complex. Let me tell you about that. So this whole process of once you own a plane, it becomes a lot more difficult and it probably should be more difficult. We could argue this either way. I can't look up somebody's license plate number and get their name and home address, but I can look up your tail number and get all your information. We could argue this. Now, the one thing is I will tell you that this gets into we can get into some deep nerd stuff here, which is FAA says, this is actually transportation.gov, but FAA says we have to give to ICAO, I guess that's on another screen, but we have to give our, the full registry. So I've looked up some of these privacy impact assessments and it says, here are the reasons that, that we need your name and address and why we can't keep that entirely private. It was interesting to, to dig down on these. You can see these are actually the same version, but it, there's a place in here where it's, oh, because of the ICAO appendix, we must do this. And you can guess this stuff's all like back from like 1911 or something, but they give a reason. And when they talk about getting deep into privacy, they say, well, if you actually gave us something that was too private, we would redact that, but they don't consider your name and your address and all this stuff to be something that's redactable. So. That was, that's interesting. What do people do? Because not everyone uses their home address. Uh, Although it seems about, here it is, almost 60% of people have their home address on their tail number. It's, you're like, wow, that seems high, but there's also a lot more GA planes than there are 737s out there. So I think that's probably why it's so high. So Alyssa, just out of curiosity, do you have your home address on your tail number? I do. So do I. So the set in the sample size of three, we exceed the 60%. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the reality is it was just the difficulty to not put it on there, which I'm sure yeah. uh, there, there are options, but it was when you're in, especially when you're in the heat of the moment and you're looking at buying a plane, like all of a sudden now, what are you going to do? It takes some calculation and it takes... And um, we can send it taxes and law, which are fun areas to talk about. So MBA is business aviation, right? They're, they're all the people with the charter planes and stuff. And it's you can see it's only two pages here and they're preserving our anonymity. And they talk about why they need that information. But basically, the TLDR here is, hey, it's a sliding scale. The place you might start is an LLC and it can get a lot more private about a trust and things like that. And by the way, if you look up 
business aviation planes, what you'll see is that a lot of the Cessna twin jet size planes, they're all like this bank of Utah trustee, like literally it's some bank in Utah that that yeah. like some huge percentage of planes are registered under. I, trustees are beyond me, but the thing that I know we can do pretty relatively easily in, in the GA circle is set up an LLC. In about half the states in the US, it doesn't help you because you set up an and it says secret name LLC managed by, and it's required that they put your name there. So it, it, you're at least a step removed with that, but that doesn't do it. The good news is that about half of the states in the US have what are called anonymous LLCs. And they're set up just for this. Like some are literally for aviation, but people have LLCs for everything. And so there's a lot of companies, Delaware, Wyoming, maybe Nevada. Anyway, the, Delaware, Wyoming are the two that I know of that, that do that. And it explicitly has your LLC and does not require the manager names to be listed with the state, which means you're not in an online registry for it. Damn. So now you've got tax and law and you've crossed state, state lines. So it becomes more complex. But the advantage of that is you register your, your plane as an LLC now, when you look at the tail number, it doesn't say Mark, Alyssa, and your home address. It says secret C name and Wyoming, which is, it's nice to do in the same state. By the way, I set one up in my home state before I realized that it's not anonymous. So I have two secret LLC names and one that I burned because my name's on it. And then the other one that, that I put in that, that is truly anonymous. And so, the truly anonymous one is out of Wyoming? Yes. Yes. And see, I actually did look at the, like mm -hmm. I said, it was so complex because, okay, so I live in a state where it's not going to be private. I've had an LLC before and my name's all over it. And to me, it was one of those things where, like, am I going to pay what they call a registered agent in, to open up a Delaware LLC and protect all this to protect what? My home address, right? I own a home. So tax rolls have my information and are easily searchable. There's about a thousand other ways that I can tell you working in cybersecurity, that idea of open source intelligence and what we can gather, it, it takes a lot to keep your home address private. There are other things, absolutely. And I'm not one to promote that general apathy of they, they have all my information anyway. I wish people would shed that attitude. But home address is one of those that what information do they really gain from that? And there's about 4,000 other sources where they could find that same information mm -hmm. pretty fast. So for me, that particular one, it just, it wasn't worth all that effort when I knew that information was pretty easy to gather anyway. Yeah. My, my worry, and this will get into the into our discussion with ADSB, but my worry is what I just tend to call the sky currents, which is the worry of somebody saying that pl plane is loud and overhead and maybe they're doing something illegal. It doesn't matter whether it's illegal or not. It's in my case, it's not going to be, but we, we certainly know of cases where people have decided not to land and then got accused of buzzing a landing place. And so that's my concern is how easy it is to go from a tail number that is either observed or seen on a 
on an ADSB tracking site and getting from that back to the person. And that doesn't help at all if it's illegal behavior, because I'm not trying to stay that level of anonymous, but there is that immediate level of getting from a tail number back to a person. Yeah. So, like given the variety of level of crazy in the general public, you don't want to expose yourself to the craziest of the crazy. Yeah. You want to make it hard for them to be able to behave crazily with you. And it's a question that it sounded like a statement that I meant that as a question. <laughs> But I think that's legitimate. And I think what we'll see through this is that the one scenario there of either I was so low that they were able to read my tail number from the ground, which is scarily low to the ground, yeah, or they had binoculars or a really good telephoto lens or something. But if they see you on the airport, that's even a little bit harder. And I know my plane is sitting out in front of my hangar. You can see, and I'm sure pretty easily if you pulled over on the side of the road, you'd be able to read my tail number from that distance. But the ADSB thing is the, almost the more scary one, right? Because yeah. that is now, I can go out to flight aware and I can I could randomly pick a tail number. Or I did see the plane flying overhead. Let me, let me share one thing before yeah. we go to ADSB. I thought, okay, let me try and show some examples of planes without doxing anybody who's actually, who I don't want to dox by accident. But let me look up really quick and find some tail numbers that are people who are in the public. This one is actually, this one should be pretty easy to figure out. Falcon Landing at Sea in Hawthorne, California. Yeah, yeah. I recognize the tail number the minute you put it up there. Yeah, yeah. So that's good old Elon Musk. Jay, shoot, who was MJ? No, I seriously, I don't remember now that I looked it up. This was a good example, except for the fact that it was their initials. Shoot, I was looking at people like Taylor Swift, so I don't remember who this is. Michael Jordan? Uh, I was just going to ask. Yeah, you're right. This is Michael Jordan. Now, besides the fact that it's MJ, this is actually a pretty good example of being private, right? Bank of Utah, Salt Lake City. There's nothing about this that says this is Michael Jordan, except for the cute tail number and the fact that he's been observed coming out of his plane a million times. But this is a good example of a very private registration. Let's see. What was the last one here? JC... This is another one that is in a trustee. And again, the business jets tend to do trustees more than an LLC. At the small level, you know, the, the LLCs are a lot more common. Well, I mean, at this Even, point, you're talking about people who have lawyers on retainer and yeah. legal teams that are going to do this for them. And I think that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to give some examples of, of more public eye type people that some are decently hidden and some like... Elon Musk, not as well hidden by the name of the LLC. Uh, but, you know, so it gives you some inspiration about what is shown in an LLC and what isn't. Well, so, and it's not just celebrities either, right? I can tell oh, you there sure. are people who own planes that have done it through an LLC and you go and you look at the name of the LLC and it's like, it's obvious who that is, right? I can figure it out relatively quickly if you knew that person at all or had any suspicions. So you know, there's always that level people like, to put their stamp on things. But yeah, I'm mean, the funny thing with Musk is as private as he wants to be, I'm amazed at how little research he and his team <laughs> have done. Most people yes. know the saga with Elon Musk and his being doxxed because people were posting ADSB tracks of his plane. 
is Elon, you don't seem to understand how all this works. And, I, and honestly, I don't think necessarily a lot of people do. I, yeah, in and outside of aviation, the understanding of ADSB is very low. Yeah. And, and it, it's a challenge. I, I think people look at it and it feels big brothery. And then the reality is it is big brothery. Yeah. The FAA knows where your plane is anytime it's in the sky and your transponder's on if you've got ADSB up. All of that, all of that to say, even though that's true, I freaking love ADSB. Exactly. I think ADSB sure. is fantastic. So, so there's, first of all, there's all sorts of things you can do with ADSB, right? To try to make it more private. Number of years back when ADSB was first coming, there was the BAR program, B-A-R-R, and that's now the LAD program, L-A-D-D, right? And the whole point of that program is you can request to the FAA your data not be included, kind of like with the Airman Registry, you can ask that data not be included in data in these massive databases of aircraft registries that are sold to people like flight aware flight radar 24 etc okay that's one option you can also use lad and you can say hey i want you to i want you to still include me because maybe i want to be able to track my own plane on that site but now i can go to those sites the subscribers to that data and say i want them to keep my data private. And you can request that through the FAA. And now what you're doing is you're relying on basically a license agreement between that company and the FAA that says, any ones that we mark as private, you cannot display this information in the ADSB tracks. Okay. So even so, though it's still in the database, which I mean, honestly, that's the same as the pilot record, except for they still give the entire database to yeah. the flight radars. It's just that there's a flag there that says, here's the full information, but don't show it. The so, data is still so, there. So I heard two things there, and I want to make sure I understood that correctly. There is, there's two options, it sounds like, with LAD. One is I'm going to say everything is private and the information isn't even going to show up in the database. And the second is the information is going to show up in the database, but only so that I can track my own flights. Yeah. So th there's an option with LAD for me to say, hey, nobody information, the downloaded information, the shared information is not even going to include my tail number. Correct. Okay. Yeah. You can completely wipe yourself out of that. Now, the issue with that, of course, is you and you said it, and this is what made me think of it, like how much you love ADSB. Well, you love it as a pilot in part, I'm sure, because we can see other people and ADSB is amazing for that, right? And I can't count the number of times already in my short career as a pilot, I've had a plane I visually couldn't find, but I knew where they were on ADSB. But if you take yourself completely out of that database, like I say, you can't track your own plane. And I don't know about you, but for me, I have certain loved ones who have, the, I've given them the link to go track me on flight aware. And in fact, some of them actually have alerts set up because they want to know when I'm in the skies Sometimes just out of curiosity, but also, yeah, like what if something did happen? And no, I've got something like that for my wife that yeah. she has an alert every time I take off and land. Yeah. And it's so the question there already is, okay, how private do you want to make this? Because you can remove a lot of really useful and valuable features by doing that. So if I take myself out of the database, does that prevent ADSB functionality or do, it, do I still keep all of that 
in-air ADSP functionality. Your transponder sends, your transponder still sends. The only okay. thing that changes is what those services can show on their website. So in other words, if you're looking at it on, on ForeFlight, ForeFlight's not going, well, unless you're using the internet traffic, like when you're on the ground, but if you're getting it from a receiver, if you're getting it from your Stratus or you're getting it from your Sentry or receiver you have, or your maybe your in-panel GPS, it's getting that direct from your transponder. And your transponder is mm-hmm. giving a tail number, the ICAO hex code, as they call it, and all of that jazz. So that's how that information is getting identified. Now, and the ICAO hex code is hard-coded in your transponder? Not hard-coded. It's programmed. Oh, okay. And different transponders handle that differently too, right? If you're using... I. I believe if you have one of the UAvionics tail beacons or the wingtip ones, if I recall, you have to actually have the programming thing that I think only the avionics shop would have in order to program that. But I've got the Stratus ESG and there you actually, there's instructions right in the pilot's operating manual on how to change that. And there's all because the, the big guys, the 737s, instead of broadcasting a tail number, they broadcast a flight. And, right. and they, so they're rolling it every time they take off. So this, we pretty much, they're baked in as a tail number right. and the ICAO code. Right. So this is the other level. This is the level of privacy that Elon Musk didn't understand. Okay. So he made his stuff private, but people figured out pretty fast. Okay. We can figure out who you are still because we have your ICAO code because, oh, hey, we can go find your plane. We know what your tail number is. We can go get your and tail code. The IKEA code is six or eight letters of hex of zero through nine, eight through F, that is mathematically derived from your tail number. Like there's a one-to-one relationship with that. So it's not, oh, this is a totally random number from a computer. So this is why the FAA came out with a second program, the PIA program. So this is, and why do I know all this? Because I've been working through this and I'm about halfway there and I'm probably not going to finish it. And I'll tell you why in a minute. The PIA program allows you to completely divorce your, that ICAO code from your aircraft registry. So what it does, it it assign, through the program, they assign you a different ICAO code that you put in your transponder. Now they privately hold a database somewhere that translates that ICAO code to the ICAO code that is actually tied to your registry and, and tied into your tail number. That all still stays, right? But what you can get is you can get an ICAO code. They call it a temporary because I don't know. It is temporary until they say it's not kind of thing. It's weird, but I'm not going to get into that. But so you can do this. Now, to make this work, though, the first step is you have to get a third party call sign which is that flight number. Delta, it's Delta 2573 or whatever. That's the flight number of that flight. You can get from third parties, you can get a call sign assigned to you. There's a number of- Is this, is this, I've noticed ForeFlight has that as an option. Like, is that the, is that what that is? That's, yeah, I mean, that's getting a call sign. So I can go to ForeFlight 
if I'm a subscriber, I think you have to be like top level, whatever the, the top packages of the three for a private person. And you can, if you have that subscription, you can for free get them to assign you a, a call sign. And it's basically just four flight, one, two, three, four will be your call sign. So now if you file a flight plan and you set your transponder to that, now instead of me calling in with my tail number to ATC, I call in as four flight 1072. So that's the that you can do whether or not you want to get in any of this privacy stuff, right? If you and there's other services that do it, most of them are geared toward private jets and you're talking multiple hundreds of dollars just to get the call sign. So the easiest way if you really want it is, if you're, especially if you're already subscribing to ForeFlight, just bump yourself up to the most expensive subscription and you get this as a service. So let me ask you a question about that. So I'm not Elon Musk and I'm not really all that popular on YouTube. What benefit do I get? Like I've already exposed my, my end number on YouTube. What benefit would I get by using say a four flight call sign do is there benefit to that do i like in that particular case what i think would happen is that people wouldn't be able to track my tail number because what would be registered in adsb is the four flight call sign so here's what would happen with that is your transponder would yes it would be sending now that other four flight call sign but it would still be your same ICAO hex code. So this is what happened with Elon Musk. He had all that stuff, but everybody already knew what his ICAO code was. So they were still, they're still tracking him today, right? Because he so you can on- so you can track in four in flight aware or flight radar via ICAO hex code? No. Oh but you can with ADSB exchange. Or well, oh, okay. I don't know if you can, how much longer now that they've been bought up, but that was the thing. And this was the thing with ADSB Exchange was because it was open source and everything was just out there. So let me show this. Literally right now, I went on to one of the ADSB Exchange sites. Look at that. Let's not get into that. Why there are suddenly many of private equity kills the world. But there's one flight right now that using a four flight call sign. Now, the funny thing is, even though they're using a four flight call sign, they did not change their ICAO code. So they're using a four flight call sign and we still know what their tail number is and that see that it's registered under. And so this is the challenge because now you've got this purchased data and so they can backtrack this. Now, if you go to the FAA website, by the way, you cannot search on ICAO code. Yeah. At least from the typical end number registry. You can search by a lot of things. ICAO code is not one of them, interestingly enough. I'll pull this one up real quick. And then- but if you download the data, if you have that, obviously they do. They subscribe to that data feed from the FAA. There are ways to sort that information out. So yeah, if you go up here and you go back to the search... Yeah, this is literally only by end number. They don't give a search for well, it. Well, you can um, go look up aircraft by in that in the top bar there and you'll see there's a lot of ones here but you notice the one that you don't see yeah you don't see yeah. hex code or ICAO code or modes code right. or the 50 names they have for it yeah yeah so it, it it helps but there's still if you've got the database and you look through it yourself you know it's still all there so the PIA program what happens now is you've got this four flight code. And the first thing ForeFlight tells you is if you're going to use it for PIA, do not 
use it until you complete the PIA process and get that separate ICAO code assigned. Because what's going to happen is when you go through this whole process now, you're going to put that that call sign instead of your tail number, and you're going to put that ICAO code rather than your normal hex code into your transponder. That's what all of the ADSB sites, everybody's going to see that information now. They won't see anything that connects your ADSB information to your tail number. Now, now, do- now ATC has all of that backlog. So this is not a way to escape like the uh, FAA, punishment if you ATC the will, FAA does? Right. Okay. The FAA does. ATC will still just see whatever call sign your transponder is sending. They're, so that's if, all they're going to get. So if you do something colossally stupid, fly through the middle of a Bravo without clearance, they're going to be able to figure out who you are. Yes. That's why I was saying but, like, somewhere in the back end, the FAA does have a private database that they're keeping that cross-reference. Right. But the average, as Ted put it, Sky Karen can't. Yeah. If someone went on to ADSB exchange and saw your, oh, this plane just flew over my house. Who is that? Oh, it's this plane here. It's this call sign. There's nothing they have there that they can use to then backtrack to who you are or who owns the plane or anything like that. Um, they can't even identify the plane. So, of course, that works great unless that. Sky Karen is somebody who sees your tail number at the airport and now coordinates that with seeing you take off and, oh, hey, there they are. That call sign is that tail number right now. You- and now we're back to the end number registration. So it's like it all. There's, yeah. It's still not perfect privacy. And that's the big challenge here. So, again, it becomes how much of this do you want to do? Now, the reason I told you I was going to tell you why I started this process, I'm not going to finish it. By the way, this PIA thing only works for domestic flights. So if you were going to go international to like Canada or Mexico. Which anyone in the Discord knows that I just posted the pictures. I finally got myself legal to fly to Canada. I got the sticker. I got the radio license. I got the operator's license, all that jazz. So yeah, if I want to use that, I can't. I'd have to reprogram my transponder back to using my tail number and my regular mode S code. And then we're right back to square one then anyway. But just for that, but just for that flight, just for that flight. right? Yeah. You could just use it. You could use it as a general rule. And then when you're going to Canada, put your normal stuff in there. And I'll so just nice keep the, the buzzing your enemy's flight separate from your going to Canada flight. Exactly. <laughs> my, my triple pass over a, potential landing area, do that with the PIA and if you folks. Yeah. But yeah, a cool thing with that at the end of the day is all those alerts and things that people have in my family for when I'm flying, they would still work. I'd have to give them a new link, right? They would have to alert on something else, but at least then it's still there. But for me, it's, I really want to go through the trouble of having to reprogram my transponder every time. I want, if I want to go to Canada or something, like it just it gets to that point where it just, you know, again, you question like, how much is this really worth it? And yeah. And so for me, tracking my flights, I don't really think a ton of people want to track my flights other than people who have a vested interest in my safety, right? The one that I think is the one that I actually want to consider doing something about, although it may be too late, is the end number registry. Right. Because now, unfortunately, the record is in of my 
information is in the history and that history is kept. Yes. So if you if your end number changed to an LLC, it would still show that the last owner of that end number happened to have your name. Yeah. Now, would like could I had I a go theory get... about that. Yes. Okay. Could I go get my own end number? Could I go re- request an end number change and get a custom one? I so I think that gets you about ninety five percent of the way there because if somebody looks up your end number, they're gonna then see the LLC. The thing is, you should be able to track the plane back through its tail number changes. And regardless, if you want to go back, to, if you went back to that end number, look up again, you'll see it. The second thing in the list is serial number. That's true. Okay. But now you've got to look up the old end number, then the serial and then the new, or I guess the other way. I'm saying just yeah. to get that history. So even if you're getting the new end number, you would still, about the best you could do was you'd have to convert to an LLC and then move. You'd have to move out of your powerhouse or- to somewhere else. Okay, but that, see, that doesn't help you because the LLC is anonymous, but the owner of your plane wasn't. So you basically have to change planes to be able to do that. Well, no. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I probably have to change planes. If you re-registered your name or you re-register your plane with the LLC and now it's a private LLC, it's going to look like you were the previous owner and now this LLC owns that plane. And now if you move, you're not in the same address that's in the history. That's your saying. Now you would be, but oh my God. I have four kids. I think that Getting a different plane is easier than giving get a, getting a different address. Exactly. So I see totally not one dull geek LC. And that's how we know. <laughs> so let me tell you, my experience with this has been, everybody says, hey, if you're going to do an LLC, do it before you have a plane, right? I did that in advance. What they don't say is if you're getting a new tail number, which I'm required to do, just because of the previous ones personalized, they want to keep it. If you're getting a new tail number, you go to easily reserve the tail number, that tail number comes back to your name. So you actually need to get an SC before you reserve a tail number, even if you don't have a plane yet. Mm-hmm. It that That may not be entirely common, but it's certainly not that uncommon, right? That you say, I have this clever tail number picked out, or I'm building a kit plane and I have my tail number picked out. So number reserved in case I ever decide to change the number on my plane. Does that cost anything? 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. There is seriously. I'm going to go reserve one. And I've already had somebody try. But I got to Boy, I got to get an LLC first. Yes. Yes. That's the lesson. Yes. I've already had somebody offer to buy the one that I reserved for that initial <laughs> oh, nice. reason. It was his initial. So I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I reserved this because I wanted this one. It's a vanity one for very different reasons for me. But yeah, it's. But now the question is do I get a new tail number put on my plane? And maybe I might be getting it repainted soon. So if I do that, then yeah, then I could see maybe doing the tail number change your your hand was isn't forced on changing the number which is actually great you can choose to change it or not and yeah. and that's yeah. it but yeah, the whole privacy thing really so i like the adsb i sat with this i'm like what is the threat model here what is the thing that really going through all that mess with pia and lad and everything else would do for you and the only thing i can really come up with is it's the threat model of somebody who means to, I don't know, do something evil to you or your home or whatever, being able to figure out when you're not home and where you live. So 
I can see that Alyssa flew up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. She's obviously, at minimum, not going to be back for a couple hours because it's a PA 28180. It's not going to get back fast. And, oh, by the way, I can set up an alert so I know when she's coming. Now I can go, what? Burn her house down well, and steal her. Clearly, she's rich. She owns a Piper. Yeah. It's, it's a, not a Cessna. It's a Piper. It's a so five-year-old yeah. Piper. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they hit close to home, huh? Yeah. Jeez, oh, Pete, man. That would explain why you're a Vikings fan. That explains oh, a lot right there. Oh. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Cherokee owners unite. <laughs> yes. You're ganging up against me here. I like it. We talked a lot offline about a bunch of different models and a bunch of different areas to focus on, but ultimately we narrowed down to these three and the three basic topic areas and, and go from easiest and most important to fix to most difficult to fix, which is pilot privacy. Get your address out of the system if you've already got it in there. And the second is owning a plane. So you make that choice in advance about whether you want your name associated with it or not. And then the third is ADSB, which has a lot of information available, but also ends up being not so easy to redact it for our level of privacy needs. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, to me, what this all comes down to is, and it's a term we use in cybersecurity. I used it here already. It's what is your threat model or what is your risk tolerance? Like how much privacy do you need here? And the, and this, the, if I was going to coach somebody on this, how to make this decision, my, the thing would be, don't make the decision based on that apathy. Don't sit there and say, I have all my information anyway, so I just don't care. No, really sit down and think about it because there are ways to deal with this, but then you have to, just like we've talked about here, you got to balance how much of this do I really want to go through versus what am I actually protecting myself from and how effective is that protection going to be? So like, I think about the home address thing again, and like, I know the hundreds of other ways I can go out tomorrow just with my name and a little tiny bit of information that people would know about me anyway and find out all sorts of stuff, including my home address. So do I go through that? Probably not. For other people, that might be something they want to do. So the threat model that you mentioned, it strikes me that, that as someone who has a wife and kids and an airplane, and most of my neighbors know that I have an airplane, and some of the broader community knows that I have an airplane and heck all of YouTube. Well, not all of YouTube, some tiny little portion of dozens of people, (laughs) dozens, dozens know that I have an airplane billion subscribers. (laughs) Yeah. There, it seems like the four flight thing, the four flight call sign might be a good solution for that, even though it's not foolproof. It seems like if I start flying under the four flight thing, then the fact that my neighbors know I have an airplane and can go and identify, walk over to the airport and identify the tail number, they can't just automatically see whether or not I'm not at home. And the nice thing with that four flight number, you don't have to use it. Now, again, you're going to have to reprogram your transponder back and forth, right? But what I'm thinking about for you is you make YouTube videos. In your YouTube videos, you are making radio calls. 
if you're using that call sign, people watching YouTube videos are going to know that just as well as knowing your tail number. And what I would have to do is then I would have to say the four flight one is the one that's not going to be used in any of the YouTube videos. The tail number is. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. So then you, the only trick there is then you've got to reprogram your transponder. Yeah. Well, and your brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the number of times on the, the panel. I got, oh, I got, um, I, I got signed off for a complex and the number of times I accidentally called out my tail number in that other airplane. It was, it was at some point it was just comic. It was just comically. Yeah. yeah. It was ridiculous. Let's, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Because you're talking about using the PIA, the full for flight ADSB privacy. I'm talking about using the airplane privacy and not ADSB. And Alyssa's more like a little YOLO. Like I know what my risks are and I know <laughs> the concrete gain and not. And so I think the three of us, it's, we didn't even talk about this in advance, but we all kind of land somewhere slightly different on it, but yeah. we all agree. Don't have your pilot privacy. Don't have your pilot address out there. Just, like, yeah. And the good news about that one is that's so easy. It's so easy to fix. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. If you're renting airplanes, that's the only one that matters anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All well, right. Ted, Alyssa, thank you so much for this discussion. I really enjoyed this. This was great. This was like, uh, like I thought coming into this that I had an idea of what we were going to talk about, but then I'm like, oh, wait a second. Th I, this is opened up a whole set of questions that I didn't anticipate asking. Yeah. Great. A, awesome. Yeah. Thanks.